to die That he might give Eternal life That I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment. But first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. We are in the book of Galatians, and uh, Lord willing, we might make a conclusion out of this tonight. But then I'll probably give uh, two more supplemental uh, messages that go along with the book of Galatians. But in Galatians in chapter 6, we'll start there in verse 11. You see how large a letter I have written unto you with mine own hand. As many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised, only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised, that they may glory in your flesh. But God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation, new creature. And as many as walk according to this role, peace be unto them. And mercy and upon the Israel of God. From henceforth let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Now these are closing remarks by the Apostle Paul in the book of Galatians. And uh, as he wraps it up, he wants to let them know that uh, he, he wrote this with his own hands. He usually has somebody that, as he would dictate it, they would write down. And even though it's got Paul's hand marks all over it, I still believe that uh, every man wrote as the Holy Spirit guided them along. And so it is inspired of God. They wrote what God wanted wrote. And uh, when he makes a statement here, what large letters, it's not so much as a large letter in the sense of volume. Uh, because you take 1 Corinthians, it's a lot longer than this book. Uh, 2 Corinthians, it's longer than this book. Romans, it's longer than this book. Hebrews, I think he wrote that too. It's a lot longer than this book. So it's because many believe he had bad eyesight. And whether or not it was partially because when he saw that bright light on the Damascus road, he was blinded. But then he was given sight, and so he was able to, to see but whether or not that was his thorn in the flesh that he had to put up with all his ministry, I, I don't know what it was. But also he says a uh, thorn in the flesh was a messenger of Satan sent to buffet him. 
Whether or not that means that everywhere he went, he had a, a Mike Tyson on the outside to beat him up. <laughs> everywhere he went, he had problems. Why did God allow such a good, godly man to have so many problems? And the scripture tells us that lest he be exalted above measure. In other words, lifted him up so much with pride because look who I am. Look what I've seen. Look where I've been. Because he got to go to heaven and he saw things no man has ever seen. And then to come back down here. And then he, he couldn't tell anybody about it. He saw it, but he, he couldn't tell you what he saw. And uh, I've often wondered what he saw. I thought, that's not fair. But I don't know if I want to go through what Paul went through. When you read the 12th chapter of 2 Corinthians, I mean, he paid a price to learn what he learned. And when he came to the gospel, you see, there is a stigma for those who preach the salvations by grace alone. And you don't have to do anything. I have preached in a lot of churches across the country. And uh, I have often had people that would always attack me because I didn't preach repentance the way they did. I just simply said that if you're a, a lost man and you thought you had to earn your way to heaven, you need to change your mind and trust the Lord. See, repentance changing your mind. But I never used the word repent. I just got them to believe the gospel, the good news. I did have an experience I was up there in um, Indianapolis Baptist Temple. And they were having an unregistered uh, Baptist church uh, meeting. And I was asked to speak at it. Well, Dr. Dixon, he knew how I was on the gospel. And he says, I, I, I want you to come because I like the way you give the gospel. Because I made it simple and easy to understand. And most preachers, they don't make it simple. But he said, I want you to come in. They'll have a couple hundred preachers there, Baptist preachers. And they are all flavors. And some of them are really strong on turn from your sins. And you've got to preach that. And you've got to commit your life to Christ. And you've got to have the evidences. And if you don't live it, you don't have it. And so I was asked to speak at this place and to bring the unity of peace. I kind of felt like... Donald Trump at the uh, State of the Union address <laughs> when you have everybody there loving you. And uh, so anyway, that was uh, an interesting time. So I preached the gospel. I had a table set up in the back on the right-hand side. So I went up there, and he has a pretty good-sized church. And so they had uh, several hundred in there, and, and all these are preachers from all over America and, and various Hard nose and hard shell and primitive Baptists and you name it, they had it. So he asked me if I would give the gospel. And I thought, you asked for it. And so I told him what the gospel is. And I told him what the gospel is not. If the gospel is by grace, means it's free. Then it can't be by works. For example, <laughs> oh, so then I would tell him what the gospel is not. And I says, many preachers are telling people a confusing message, if not necessarily a false message. I says, they'll say the truth, and then they'll muddy it up. And I says, for example. So I got into what is means to 
have a message of turn from your sins in order to be saved. So that works for salvation. And so I went through and I hit it hard. And I talked to him about making Christ the Lord and the master of your life in order to be saved. I says that works for salvation. Because if you're saved by grace, but you've got to turn from your sins to be saved, is turning from my sins. Now, is that a work of grace or is that a work of work? If I don't do that, can I still get this? If this is free, do I have to do this in order to get this? Or you've got to commit your life to Christ and promise you're going to live and be a goody-goody two-shoes. So do I have to promise I'm going to live a holy life and walk that straight and narrow way and I've got to promise to be good? Now, is that a work of grace or is that a work of work? If I don't do this, can I still get grace? Because it's grace alone that means it can include that. If it's grace alone, it can include that. Because that is works and it annuls grace. So anyway, I hit it pretty hard. And I knew several of the men there that I thought, when I am through, I am going to be crucified. And they're going to come after me. And I felt alone. So I got through and I said, amen. <laughs> and I walked down off the thing and I was going to go back to my table. Well, a couple of the people that I knew were sitting back over here in this corner. So that's about the furthest I could get away from where they are. And I was through. And so when I started down, I saw a couple guys get up. And... They were going to my table, and I was going to my table, and I thought, oh, boy, now what am I going to do? <laughs> so I got over to my table, and here comes, and he was a bigger guy. And he's, he had to be working on a farm all his life. He had big hands, and his was just swallowed mine up, you know. And he got up close to me, and he was kind of a strong, stout fella, and uh, I was solid steel. Well, he got up to me. <laughs> And I thought, okay, here it goes. Lord, help thou me speedily. That means right away, right immediately. And he says, I want to shake your hand. That was the best message on the clarity of the gospel I have ever heard in my life. And so I was thinking he was going to murder me. And he wanted to thank me for having the courage to do that. And the only thing is, if I'm asked to preach to God, I don't know no other way to present the gospel and have a clear conscience. It's just to tell it. He says, I've got a big meeting down in Texas. And I want to know if you'll, uh, you'll come down here and preach that same sermon down here in Texas. He said, I've got a lot of these Baptist preachers, friends. <laughs> and that's what they preach. Well, he did too. That's why I've heard him preach it. That's why he scared me to death. So is there times in your life when you can have fear and trembling, even in a church, of somebody wanting to do you wrong? It wasn't long ago I was asked to speak at a meeting over here by Lake Okeechobee. And there was probably 50 Baptist preachers there. And I was once again asked if I would speak. So I said, sure. And that's been since I've been down here. This is just a couple years ago. So I went over there and Betty went. And uh, Betty was kind of (laughs) a little scared. So was I. And I said, honey, I said, I I can't hold back. This might be my only chance. And it was because I'd never been invited back since. So anyway, I went through and I hit on what the gospel is. And, what it, and I says, now some of y'all preachers, y'all tell people they got to turn from their sins. Amen, 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 amen. 
Well, they haven't heard what I'm going to say. I'm fixing to contradict them. And they said, they like what I just said. Amen, amen. I thought, uh-oh. I says, now stop and think about it. I said, when you tell people they got to stop their sinning in order for God to save them, I says, you know as well as I do, you haven't. <laughs> you, haven't stopped, you haven't stopped all of your sins. And I says, when you stop and think about it, when you tell a person, if you really think about it, you have to turn from your sins. That's sinless perfection. Because if you're going to say, okay, but you can commit a few little small ones. You can't commit no big one, but a few small ones would be okay. But they never say that. You usually got to turn from your sins. Okay, well, how many? Well, all of them. Well, if you got to turn from all of them, that's sinless perfection. Is that possible? You got to serve the Lord, and if He's not Lord of all, He's not Lord at all. So they require total commitment. That's also of uh, doing the good things, and that's the same as over here. That's sinless perfection. Any way you cut it, that's what you're asking people to do. And so anyway, when I, they got real quiet. Now I had told Betty, I said, honey, when you get a chance, I want you to get up and go back there and, and get a good picture. Because I like to have it for my newsletter. Get a good picture. She wasn't moving. <laughs> she, she never got up out of her seat. She sat there. And I asked her after, I said, did you get a picture? She said, no. <laughs> but anyway, uh, they... Uh, they, they wind up examining. And I had a few of the preachers come on and says, I really appreciate that. I have to remember, there's a lot of people who do know the Lord and love the Lord, but they got a false, a, a messed up message. And uh, I was not always clear. I wasn't. Yankee Arnold. You know how I used to tell people to get saved? Here's one of my, here's one of my illustrations from the old rescue mission days and Union Gospel Mission in Shreveport, Louisiana, 1964. I'm preaching there, and here's these drunks, these winos who come in off the street. And they can't, they can't eat until I preach. And so they want to eat, and they want to sleep, but they got to hear me preach. So I told them, I says, now here you are. You're hanging over this cliff, and there's this little root. You're fixing to fall, and so you're grabbing at all these little roots. And I says, these are your sins. I says, but now an angel flies up behind you and he tells you, let go of your sins and I'll catch you before you fall. <laughs> now, Bob, that was my illustration. That was, that was such a good, and here's all these guys just, listen to every little word I said. Let go of all of your sins, turn loose of your sins and God will catch you before you fall. I thought that sounded so great. <laughs> I saw another preacher who came into the rescue mission, and I wanted to see how he did it. Because my father-in-law had not taken me to no rescue mission. He'd only taken me to a church where everybody already saved. You know, the preacher's always preaching to the choir. And uh, so he, he got up there, and he preached a rip snorter. I mean, he pounded. He was, went back and forth and pulled his tie on and unbuttoned his you know, shirt, and he sweated. And, man, he was just pouring it out. And he finally got to the end of it, and he gave a, an invitation. You want to get saved? Come on down. So he had, stand up and come on down there. So they had a few of them get up. And uh, I think they wanted to shorten the meeting so they could get to eat. So come on, come on down there. So when they got down there, he, he, he didn't know what to do with them. <laughs> he was as bad as me. He didn't know what to do with them. So he says, um, go back to the back, and we'll go in the office. 
So they all turned around and they went back to the back. I said, well, I'm just going to follow and see what he does. You know, I, I want to learn from the experts. So we walked into the room and there was a few chairs in there. He says, all right, all right. Um, um, let's see. Um, anybody got any cigarettes in their pockets? Yeah. He said, put them, put them here in the chair. So they started raging, getting their cigarettes. And they started putting his, I thought, I'd never heard this. Okay. And then he says, they make pocket knives on them. Well, some of them had some switch blades. <laughs> and so they put their swords down, you know, and they put that down there. And um, he even asked me, if anybody got a fifth? And he said, well, what's a fifth? Well, if, if you don't hit the fifth on the fourth, you'll be able to go forth on the fifth. <laughs> but anyway, uh, and a couple of them had little things in here, the little, you know, and uh, then when he got through, he, he got them to give up all their sins. And uh, he looked over at me, and he says, um, why don't you tell them what to do? <laughs> I said, all right. So I hammered, a, hammered around there, and I gave them the gospel the best I knew how about trusting Christ as Savior. <laughs> so so I, whether they did or not, I ain't got a clue. And this guy at the rescue mission, he told me, he says, you need to go to Bible college. Now, why did he say that? He said, you need to go to Bible college. In other words, I had the desire but I didn't have my message cleaned up good. You know, I was still kind of messed up. It was about as bad as when I was in Bell Glades, Florida, and Hank Lindstrom had taken some kids from Bible college. And we went up to Bell Glades, Florida over here, at south of the end of the uh, Okeechobee, Lake Okeechobee. And uh, we were supposed to get some kids uh, and adults, you know, get them to come into the meeting that night. Well, we uh, all went out in our different directions and tried to get people to come. And I saw these two little colored girls that were walking down the, the dusty road. And they come walking up to two little girls. And I talked to them very quickly. And I asked them, I says, um, y'all want to go to heaven? Yeah. I says, uh, you want to ask Jesus to come into your heart? I yanked your arm and did that. You ask Jesus to come into your heart? I said, will you do it? Said, yeah. I says, go ahead. So they bowed their head. And then, blah, 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 blah. I don't know what they said. And they looked up and they had a big old smile on their face. I says, did you do it? I said, yep. I says, did he come in? And the little girl said, yeah. I says, how do you know? She says, I, I feel it right here. I thought to myself, self, you messed up somewhere along the line. I was not clear at all until Willie James, who was there after the service was over, it was dark outside, and, and, and he, was, he was a black man. And all I could see was his row of teeth and his white eyes. Hank had finished the meeting, and so Willie James was out there at the door, and I, I walked up, and I saw Willie James, and I just stood there and watching. So Hank Lindstrom comes out, and he has that great big old loose-leaf Schofield reference Bible in his hands, all marked up. Opens it up to John six forty-seven, and he uh, walks up to uh, old Willie James, and he says, Willie James, he says, um, do you believe the Bible? I believe the Bible. He says, read this, Willie James, and he's holding to read it. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. He says, William, you believe that? He says, I believe that. He says, where are you going to go when you die, Willie James? He says, I don't know. He said, Willie James, he said, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. He says, if you believe it, what do you got? He says, everlasting life. He says, Willie James, do you believe it? Yes, I sure do. He said, do you have everlasting life? I don't know. He went through that there. It seemed like a hundred times. I'm sitting there watching the expert. 
And it wasn't long before he says uh, somebody else wanted to talk to Hank. So he just gave him his Bible and said, now, William, you read it. You read it to yourself. Well, now, really, James, he, he knew how to read that verse. And so he's showing off. If I, me, that's me, Willie James, that's me, I'm Willie James. If I, Willie James, if I believe I have it, he said, hey, man. And Hank turned around and looked at him and says, you mean if, if I believe it, I have it? He said, yeah, Willie James, if you believe it, you got it. He says, I believe it. He said, you got it, I got it. He said, now, Willie James, if you died right now, where would you go? He said, I'd go to heaven. How do you know? I got it. He said, what about five years from now? He said, I still got it. He said, what about a hundred years from now? He said, I still got it. He said, what about a thousand years from now? He said, I don't think I'll live that long. <laughs> but he finally got it. If you believe it, you got it. You got to strip away all the other stuff for a person to see the clarity of the gospel. Now, look there in your notes. And you'll notice there's a, a few verses that I have in here. And it's because there's a thorn in the flesh. Number one there under verse 11. You are going to maybe want to serve the Lord. But God knows whether or not you're going to be lifted up with pride. So sometimes he just kind of pulls the rug out from under you and keeps you humble. And one of the best ways to keep you humble and dependent upon the Lord is to <laughs> keep you poor. Have you ever wonder why you're so poor? Well, because God knows if he gave you too much, you won't need him. This way, it forces people to come to the Lord because you're always having need. He talks about coming to the throne of grace that may help in time of need. But see, if we didn't have need, we wouldn't go to the Lord. We just use the Lord as a crutch. You know, Lord, you just stay in escrow so that when I need you in a real problem, you be there, okay? So we want to keep him in our back pocket so we can use God when we want to. And God said, no, 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 you don't get it. He says, I want to use you. Not you use me. So we think as we go through life, we're just trying to find a way that we can use God. Lord, bless me. This is what I'm going to do. Bless me. Lord, I need $1,000 in the mail this week. So you run in the mailbox and see if your $1,000 came in. So you just want to use God. And God says, I got something I want you to do for me. And if you will, he said, I'll take care of all this other stuff. He says, you put me first and all these things will be added unto you. And a lot of people will. Some people will not. But look at letter B there. The motive of the Judaizers. Because you see, when you, you tell a man that he has to do good works to be saved, and he got to stop being bad and all that, you automatically become a fruit inspector or a works inspector. you got to inspect what you expect and see whether or not, well, is he doing what he's supposed to be doing? In other words, uh, I look over here at Emilio and... You know, Emilio, he's been out drinking every night and running around, you know, just all these bad things he's doing and uh, flirting with all the women. You know, there's just no end to it. And so, Emilio, if you want to get saved, you've got to stop all of that. You've got to stop the drugs and stop the whining and dining and all that. Well, now, if he wants to get saved, I try to get him to stop those bad things. So, so when he stops those things, that's one of my converts. And I don't want none of my converts living like the devil. So you better straighten up and fly right, boy. And so you use that to build your own ego. Because you glory in their flesh. You glory in their works. And that's what these Judaizers were doing. They weren't interested in whether these people go to heaven or not. They're interested in getting numbers for themselves and trying to... It's just like a lot of churches today. They're not interested in winning souls. They just want to rob somebody from somebody else's goldfish bowl. 
You know, hey, you got some fish. I want to get some of those fish. No, look at my fish. Oh, they got more fish. I want to get some of those fish. Why? Because they can't catch their own. If you can't catch your fish and you want some fish, you got to steal them. So there's churches who thrive on just trying to say, oh, that Yankee over there? Oh, yeah, he's good for winning people to the Lord, but he doesn't know how to take it deep. I mean, you got to go deep into the Word. And so we know the Hebrew and the Greek. I know a little Greek. Run the restaurant down here. But now, so I have here under letter B there on verse 12, the, in the bold, I want you to see that, the law, law uses fear to restrain the old man, but the Spirit uses love to motivate the new man. So when I was born into this world, I have an old flesh birth. That's what you see, my flesh birth. When my daddy told me to do something, if I didn't do it, he made me wish I had of. And he laid down law and a piece of wood <laughs> on my backside or on my legs or on the back of my head or anywhere he chose. Wherever I was jumping. Have you ever had your dad holding it to your hand and he's going to whoop you and you start running in circles? You know, you're running around and around. Well, when I run, I would jump. Well, he chipped and come down. Well, if you jump up, he's going to get your ankles. And then when you come back down, he's going to get your shoulders. <laughs> and I mean, just better to stand there and take it. I've never been able to stand and take it. I'd run for my life. <laughs> run for your life. Why? Because my daddy was going to kill me. But now look here under the word note. We're supposed to do what we do because, you know, God loves us and forgave us so we can learn to forgive somebody else. Why should I be kind to other people? Why? Because God was kind to me. Why should I be, you know, sweet and loving and all that? Because that's what God was for me. Why should I forgive you? Because God forgave me. And that's the way it's supposed to work. But note, if a lost man must turn from sin to be saved, then there must be a works inspector for outward verification that this has been accomplished. If a lost man must commit his life to Christ to be saved, then there must be a fruit inspector to accurately verify the internal fruit of the Spirit and the external righteousness of each saint. So that's where you get people in churches that say, well, I know he's not saved. How do you know that? Well, look how he's living. I mean, if he was saved, he wouldn't do that. I mean, a Christian don't live like that. And, oh, Aunt Susie. Oh, if anybody goes to heaven, it ought to be Aunt Susie. She'd give you the shirt off her back. Have you ever seen Aunt Susie's shirt? I wouldn't want it. But see, there's people who make judgments like that and says, I, oh, I know that those people, if there's ever been a Christian, it was, it was my dear old aunt, uh, blah, 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 you know. Well, that's, what are you looking at that determines how they live? And how you live does not determine where you go. And that's what blows people's mind. Now, let's say, for example, me and uh, Bob. Me and Bob lived exactly the same way. Okay, let's just say we're brothers and we live in the same house. Everything exactly, we do everything exactly the same way. But somebody told me how to go to heaven, so I trusted Christ. But we live exactly the same. We go to the same place, do the same thing. And whenever I die, I go to heaven. And when he dies, he goes to hell. You say, well, that's not fair. He lived just as good as you did. I know, but I did that one thing that's required to go to heaven. I trusted Christ as my Savior, and he never did. So does it make a difference? Yes, it makes a difference. Now, that's why we want to tell everybody we've hand about the gospel. Now, I'm four years older than my brother. And uh, I just wrote a little card to my brother because his birthday is on the 9th. Mine's on the 4th. And so I just sent a nice little note. I says, even though we've had a lot of fun over the years, I want you to know that I really appreciate you. You have been a wonderful, you know, gracious brother. And I said a few nice little things about him. 
So I can't wait to get my card back. You know what we did for about 10 years? Sent the same card back and forth. We were that tight. We did not want to buy a Christmas card. And so finally, Betty bought another one because we then lost that other one. And I don't know what ever happened to it. But we sent the same card back and forth for about 10 years. Ain't that right, Betty? We did. It's so much cheaper. I wouldn't even send a card at all. But then I was thinking, well, he might send me a present. He didn't. Have you ever heard preachers tell you that you must turn from sins to be saved and go to heaven? Does that mean you must turn from only the big sins or all sins before God will save you? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book, or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound and we will be changed. Caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.